All right. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard by now of the horrific tragedy involving the death of Lucas Hernandez, five-year-old boy from Wichita. Uh, the boy that had been missing since February's body was found dead under a bridge late this week. If you haven't heard or if you have heard and you're still searching for answers or you're still searching for justice, I am here for a complete complex breakdown of the pure insanity surrounding this entire situation. So through everything I have read, whether that be from Wichita Eagle, KSN, KWCH, uh, public records, I've kind of compiled a timeline of all the events that led up to the disappearance and then everything that has happened since. Uh, obviously, there are still some things to be determined. Lucas's cause of death is yet to be released. But uh, this appears like it could be headed towards Casey Anthony levels of just pure evil, right? And it all took place right here in Wichita, Kansas. So let's kind of break down the timeline of events. This case has been in the public eye for a couple of months. As many of you guys know and have actively been trying to help with, the story all starts all the way back on February 17th. And it actually goes back even further than that. We'll touch on that in a second. But on February 17th, on February 17th, Lucas Hernandez, like I mentioned earlier, just a poor little five-year-old boy was reported missing by his stepmother, Emily Glass. That was February 17th. And by the way, Emily Glass, not really his actual stepmother. I don't know why she's being, she had been being called that. The family now wants her to be referred to as the live-in girlfriend of Lucas's dad. So she, she wasn't a stepmother. She was just basically the girlfriend of Lucas's father, Jonathan Hernandez. So Emily Glass's original story of what happened to Lucas Hernandez that day was simply basically this. She claimed that she had taken a shower. She noticed that Lucas was asleep, so she decided to lay down for a nap. When she woke up around 6 p.m., she changed her one-year-old daughter's diaper, and then she kind of looked around the house, couldn't find Lucas, and she noted that the back door was open about three-quarters of an inch because it wouldn't shut. So basically her story was she took a shower, laid down for a nap, and when she woke up, Lucas Hernandez, a five-year-old boy, somehow had magically vanished into thin air. When police arrived at the home and investigated, they concluded that there was absolutely no evidence that would indicate the boy just walked away on his own, and there was also no evidence to suggest he was abducted. So basically, the boy just poofed into thin air. Lucas's biological father, Jonathan Hernandez, was out of the state at the time, working at his job. So all of this happened while his dad was away. It was just Emily Glass, the girlfriend of his father who was in charge of Lucas at the time. So in the process of uncovering all of the possible information and the disappearance of Lucas, the police learned some pretty, pretty troubling information about the events leading up to the sudden disappearance. Turns out on the day before his disappearance, according to a court affidavit, Emily Glass went to her garage. This is on the day before the disappearance. Emily Glass had went to her garage, smoked three bowls of marijuana, and then proceeded to take her one-year-old daughter, get in her car, and went to Olive Garden. She left behind Lucas Hernandez at her house by himself, 
a five-year-old boy while she went to Olive Garden the very day before. She just left him at home. Just left the poor kid at home when she went to Olive Garden. Literally the exact day before he went missing, Emily Glass got high, left a five-year-old child home alone while she went to Olive Garden. That was the day before he went missing. So once this information had been discovered, coupled with multiple, multiple reports over the previous months of bruises on Lucas Hernandez, the police announced that they arrested Emily Glass four days later after the disappearance on suspicion of endangering Lucas and endangering her one-year-old daughter, but prosecutors ended up only charging it, her with endangering the girl. She had been in jail since the arrest until May 16th when a Wichita jury ruled Emily Glass not guilty on the charges of endangering a child because there was no physical evidence such as blood or hair follicles or drug, uh, drug particles, basically. So since there was no proof, the court ruled that she was unguilty and they couldn't prove that the pot she had smoked affected her driving. So as of 10 days ago, Emily Glass had been ruled not guilty. She walked out of jail scot-free for the time being. So let's backtrack, let's backtrack a little bit. Ever since Emily Glass had reported Lucas Hernandez as missing, the police department and multiple volunteer staffs have been searching extensively, trying to find Lucas for months. This disappearance happened in February. They had been searching all of March, all of April, all of May. Couldn't find anything. Couldn't find a sniff of him. Couldn't find any trace of where he might be located. A five-year-old boy apparently had just vanished into thin air. No idea where he could be. He was reported all the way, missing all the way back in February. He'd gotten to May. Nothing. Nada. And what made it even more troubling was... Even before Lucas Hernandez went missing, everyone that was around him, around him, his relatives, the school nurse, the neighbors, all of these people said that they had seen Lucas with bruises, they had seen him looking malnourished, they would seen him just looking kind of beat up all the time. Some of these were reported to the state, but nothing ever happened. So, all this information I'm about to give you guys came about how he was treated prior to his disappearance was documented in a child in need of care petition that was filed shortly after Lucas went missing for Emily Glass's one-year-old daughter. The daughter, thankfully, was placed into protective custody when that happened. So this child in need of care petition pretty much lays out how Lucas was being treated prior to him disappearing, and it, it has got some pretty pretty bad stuff going on. So February 14th, 2015... Lucas's biological mother asked police to check on Lucas. Police contacted Hernandez and Lucas and noted, quote, Lucas was fine. February 22nd comes around. Emily Glass reported that she and Hernandez were arguing that he was throwing property outside. A month and a half later, the document says police arrested the couple for fighting slash domestic violence. Like that, that kind of gets you a glimpse into the environment this kid was living in. It was just bad. The parents were fighting all the time. Just not a good situation to be in. So March 2017 rolls around. Um, Lucas was reportedly seen with temporary tattoos that were being used to hide bruises. Lucas was reported to have been covered from head to toe in bruises. Two days after Glass told the police he had disappeared, the person said Lucas had a bruise on his bottom that, quote, looked like the shape of a iron. Lucas reportedly stated Glass had caused the bruises, the document said. And then May 16th, Department for Children and Families 
the kind of the Kansas Child Protection Agency received the first two of the reports I just mentioned about the suspected abuse involving Lucas Glass and an unknown perpetrator were suspected. The boy reportedly had bruising in the shape of a hand on his left arm, bruising on his left cheek and on his bottom. It was reported that when asked about the bruises, all Lucas would say is that his mom, Emily, or not his mom, his living girlfriend, Emily Glass, doesn't like him anymore. The Department of uh, the Department for Children and Families went and investigated, and you know what they came up with? They determined that there was not enough evidence to support the allegation, and they closed the case. Just like that, nothing's, they, they determined nothing was going wrong. Lucas was living in a stable environment. No need to help him, and they closed the case. Just like that. So late October 2017 rolls around while Emily Glass and Lucas visited Jonathan Hernandez in New Mexico. Lucas showed up there. He had two black eyes. They reported that to the New Mexico Child Protection Services. Uh, and according to the report, he had bruises most often after Glass and Hernandez fought. Glass, quote, may have been targeting Lucas due to her anger with the boy's father. The report said Glass allegedly was using marijuana around the time she was breastfeeding her daughter. The DCF in Wichita contacted the New Mexico agency, which provided its report saying it had investigated, and they also determined the allegations were unfounded. The report was not assigned for further review. So once again, reports of abuse were given to agencies that are in place to help with the cases specifically like this. Nothing was done. December 3rd, 2017, someone saw Lucas with bruises on his arms and a large bruise on his forehead. Lucas said that Glass, quote, became angry and threw a water bottle at his face. The document says the bruise on his forehead was reported to be about two and a half inches long and an inch wide. Uh, January 22nd, 2018, Lucas showed up to school with nine abrasions and bruises, according to an interview of the school nurse by a DCF social worker three days after his stepmother reported him missing. Lucas and his stepmother said he had fallen off the monkey bars, but the school nurse said it looked like he had been in a fight. The nurse measured the abrasions or bruises on his left elbow, right knee, forehead, left, left upper lip, left eyebrows, left cheek, right eyelid, right cheeks, and nose. The bruises on his cheek and right eyelid were swelling. The largest injury, the scrape on his nose, was about three inches long. Um, February 5th, 2018, we're going through all of the um, incidents of abuse or abuse by the parents laid out in a, the child for child in a petition for a need of care. The child in a need of care petition that was filed. We're reading through those. This is all prior to Lucas Hernandez's disappearance. Just a history of trouble and a history of abuse in his household. Nothing was done by the social workers. They closed the case. So Continuing on, February 5th, um, Glass's, Emily Glass's two elementary school-aged sons from a previous relationship who visit her from time to time in February, DCF received a report alleging that Hernandez, Lucas's father, quote, smacked one of Glass's two sons during a visit. It left a handprint on the boy's chest. The father of Glass's son said, DCF assigned a social worker to investigate. The Cedric County Exploited and Missing Child Unit also investigated. According to the court document filed February 23rd, the investigation was ongoing. February 8th, 2018, that afternoon, a DCF social worker interviewed Glass's son at his school. He said he got in trouble for spraying air freshener 
and showed how Hernandez pushed him onto a couch, the document says. The boy said his mother witnessed it and that Hernandez used, quote, bad words at his mother. No marks were visible on the boy's chest. Her son said that Hernandez also, quote, uses loud noises with Lucas, the social worker and police detective assigned to the investigation, couldn't contact Hernandez. So, let's take a break for a second. Not only was Lucas Hernandez living with one monster and Emily Glass, it also appears his father had some problems with abuse towards Emily Glass's uh, two sons. So, it, it to me, it, it kind of seems like Emily Glass and Jonathan Hernandez were fed up with each other's kids and didn't really care for their lives as much as they should have. If I had to guess, they probably resented the fact that each other had kids that they had to deal with that weren't their own. And then last event on the timeline here, the day after Lucas disappeared, February 18th, 2018, a police detective interviewed the father of Emily Glass's sons who said he had primary custody and that during the custody case, he found out that Emily Glass experimented with meth and heroin and had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, the document says. He thought she might be currently using drugs because she was losing weight and acting erratically. He said he knew of concerns about the domestic violence between Glass and Hernandez in front of the children and that Glass's daughter had possibly been hurt. So, some additional thoughts here. With all this going on, the DCF acted completely negligently here, right? And I think it's possible... I think it's possible they could be looking at a lawsuit themselves from somebody. They went in, they checked on multiple instances of a very, clearly a very hostile and hostile situation where the child had visible injuries, the child looked visually malnourished, not to mention the child was being primarily taken care of by a person in Emily Glass who had lost custody of her own sons and had been a drug abuser in the past. And they didn't do anything about it. They didn't do anything about it. They closed the case. They let him go on like nothing was happening. Life was perfect. They didn't do anything. I, like, I don't know the criteria they use to determine whether or not a child is being abused. But with that many bruises, like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that something's going wrong. And I know, I know it's hard to take a child away from their parents. Like That's got to be a hard process. That's got to be really difficult to get to that point but could have saved a life obviously so all that had been going on prior to the disappearance of lucas hernandez if you if you missed out on it we talked about lots of instances of abuse lots of lots of instances of visible bruises lots of instances of domestic violence between hernandez and emily glass so just a terrible situation to be living in Lucas had been missing for three months, no signs of finding him, no trace of where he could possibly be. And then all of a sudden, earlier this week, I don't know what sparked this to happen. Maybe it was the fact that Emily Glass had gotten released from jail, uh, proven not guilty on the charge of endangering a child. Maybe that triggered it. I don't know. But grandmother of Lucas's father, Jonathan Hernandez, hired hired a private investigator from North Carolina named David Marshburn to come in and help find Lucas. Jonathan Hernandez was actually aware of this and even offered to pay David Marshburn, the private investigator. So David Marshburn and his assistant, Marsha Ward, drove 20 hours from North Carolina all the way to Wichita, arrived on Wednesday. When they arrived in town, they took no time, no dilly-dallying, 
spent all of Wednesday talking first with Lucas's father, Jonathan Hernandez, and then also with Jonathan's live-in girlfriend, Emily Glass, the last person to see Lucas alive. And after four to five hours of speaking with Glass, Marshburn said he and Ward talked and were, quote, 90% positive they'd find his body. They spent four hours with Emily Glass, and after that, they were 90% positive they'd find the body. So, next morning, Tuesday morning, David Marshburn woke up early, met with Sheila Medlam, a woman from Colwich, who had been a leader of a group of volunteers who had... Uh, who had been searching for Lucas's body during the three months they couldn't find him. She was a leader of one of those groups. David Marshburn spoke with her, um, and they they, all, they obviously had their suspicions of where Lucas might be. He met with her for about a couple hours Thursday morning, shared information that she and fellow searchers had gained about where Lucas might be, and then later that Thursday morning, Medlam and Marshburn and his private investigator partner drove together through an area about two miles south of where the body was later found, the volunteer searchers had previously identified that area as a probable location for his remains based on the information that she can't disclose, Medlam said. So David Marshburn got in Wednesday night, or Wednesday morning, went straight into interviewing both Jonathan Hernandez and Emily Glass, and then Thursday morning met with a leader that had led search parties for Lucas, and that's when he knew right then when he was ready to find a body. So his plan to find the body, once they picked up Emily Glass, was to drive her around the area where they were pretty sure the body was and basically convey to Emily Glass that the search parties were zeroing in on the body. It was only a matter of time before it was found. Kind of put a little pressure on her. Kind of put a little guilt on her. His plan was to, quote, wear her down and keep it fresh in her mind that the little boy that she claims to love was out there somewhere, Medlam said. Marshburn and his partner spent five and a half hours with Glass on Thursday. Uh, Medlam said, Medlam recalled that Marshburn told her that he and Glass drove across the same bridge where Lucas would be found approximately 30 times. Glass seemed to have trouble recalling the precise spot, Medlam said. Um, eventually, Marshburn announced that they would stop at every bridge if they have to. The very first one they stopped at, they found the remains underneath. Emily Glass was with Marshburn when they found the body. So, when Marshburn was asked... Various questions such as, what was her demeanor when you found the body? Or how did you know where the body would be? Uh, stuff like that. Did you did you kill her? Stuff like that. Marshburn said he couldn't answer because he didn't want to interfere with the criminal court case that is soon to follow. Some quotes about Marshburn or from Marshburn himself. When you're talking to someone who has committed a crime or who is involved in a crime and such, you have to read them the right way because if you don't, you're going to waste a lot of time, Marshburn says. It just happened. This one worked out perfectly. It was done smoothly, and it rarely happens that way. He had one thing that nobody else had. Emily Glass in the passenger seat of his vehicle, Medlam said. Even with Marshburn, even before Marshburn reached Wichita, Medlam said he told her that he would find Lucas within 48 hours and Glass would tell him where Lucas was. And he was right. He was right. He showed up on Wednesday, found it, found the body Thursday evening. So, pretty unbelievable. This guy, David Marshburn, nobody could figure anything out for three months. David Marshburn rolls in, finds the body in two days. Just unbelievable. A uh, quote from the Wichita Police Chief Ramsey. 
He said, quote, please understand that law enforcement officials must operate an investigation within strict legal bounds, which may not apply to private investigators, Ramsey said. I, I, I don't know, trying to make, him, make himself feel better. So a little history on Marshburn. Uh, he was a bounty hunter prior to 2012. And in an interview Marshburn did with 48 Hours in 2015, he was asked how many criminals he had captured. He said he had captured over 500. 500. And then in 2012, Marshburn uh, became a licensed private investigator. Uh, it all started with a missing soldier. Marshburn decided to locate a missing soldier named Kelly Bordeaux. This was uh, Marshburn's first official private investigator case. Uh, long story short, after two years... After two years, one month, and one day of Kelly's exact date from going missing, Mr. Marshburn located Kelly's remains. After that case, Mr. Marshburn went on to help several more families, and kind of after that, the ball started rolling. In 2017, Mr. Marshburn started working on a Cole Thomas case, the Cole Thomas case. During this time, Mr. Marshburn and another one of the Find Me Foundation founders, Chris Thomas, developed a strong bond. Chris Thomas is the father of missing Cole Thomas. It was during this time Mr. Thomas watched and noticed how Mr. Marshburn operated, banging on doors, talking with the persons of interest, working tirelessly day in and day out without resting, and mainly using tactics that law enforcement would or could not use. And from that, this is where they formed a nonprofit together called the Find Me Foundation. If you go to findmefoundation.org, you can go to their website. You can donate whatever you want. This guy deserves all the credit in the world. He works for free. All he asks is that you provide travel costs, and he'll come help find missing people as his service. That's his donation. So findmefoundation.org is where you can find David Marshburn. So once the body was found, uh, backtracking more, once the body was found, Emily Glass uh, got arrested for obstruction and one count of interfering with a law enforcement officer. Not yet to be charged with anything. So, uh, and then the, the autopsy came out later that night, in fact, confirming that the boy found was Lucas Hernandez. But the autopsy has not, or the information regarding the cause of death from the autopsy has yet to been released. So we don't know exactly how he died yet. And then lastly, there was this. According to the Sheila Medlam girl we talked about earlier, the leader of the search parties, she said that Marshburn told, or Emily Glass told Marshburn, the private investigator, that, quote, she put Lucas to bed Friday night, February 16th, that when she woke up Saturday morning, he was dead. Now, there's no way to know if that's true or not, but... It's impossible for me to believe that if you wake up in the morning and find your five-year-old dead in the bed and you don't immediately call the cops or you don't immediately try to get help, that's impossible for me to believe that you had nothing to do with it, right? So once the cause of death is released by the autopsy, which could, it could take a while, it could, it could be a month or so, depending on what the details are, I anticipate Emily Glass will be charged with murder which obviously doesn't mean she'll get convicted of murder, but if the autopsy is able to rule the cause of death a homicide one, Emily Glass will more than likely be charged with murder. If the autopsy is able to rule a cause of death and then have a further explanation of how exactly he died, 
there would be an even higher chance that Emily Glass could be convicted of murder, hypothetically. So, for example, back in the Casey Anthony case, when the autopsy report came out on the death of Kaylee Anthony, the two-year-old that died, the medical examiner ruled the death a homicide, but officially listed it as a death by undetermined means. So he, he didn't exactly know how Kaylee Anthony died. The body had decomposed to such a point. They couldn't figure it out exactly. So they had to list it by undetermined means. So it'll be interesting to see what the cause of death is, if they can determine if it was a homicide or not, if they can determine how exactly uh, Lucas died will be all points to see how this thing's all going to play out, right? So we'll wait to see on that. <laughs> but conclusion here, if the parents, if the parents didn't want Lucas, there's ways to, there's ways to deal with that. Put him up for adoption. Get, give him to someone that can care for him more than you guys did, right? It's just stuff like this is happening all around the country. Um, every person in this kid's life failed him. Literally every adult in his life failed him, both his biological parents, the Department for Children and Families in Wichita. Everyone failed him. It's just sad to see. So that is all of the details on the case. We will wait to see what the autopsy comes out with on the details of the death. But for now, that is all we know. Um, prayers for Lucas. And donate to David Marshburn's foundation, the private investigator that helped find the body. Findmefoundation.org. Donate whatever you can. And that is all I have.